one of the things that made me not probably take risks, um, I think it's very probably natural and common for most people, is, is fear of failure. And maybe and rejection. And rejection and, and not one, wanting to, uh, to, uh, to make mistakes. Um, and so I can give advice on that because I believe that, you know, if you can break away from that, you can definitely approach life um, with fuller sense of all the options open to you. Last week we tackled using entrepreneurial thinking to create solutions and unpacking further into that we talked about how we use our ventures to validate our instincts and because we're trying to be entrepreneurial leaders <clears throat> you're more likely to see opportunities where others don't and just because you can solve a problem doesn't mean it's worth solving or addressing. On the other hand, this week, we talk about entrepreneurial leadership and specifically its importance to AOU. I mean, it is the AOU podcast and, Afri and, in Africa, and the importance to it in Africa in general. So I'd like to say a happy new month. And today my guest is the president of AOU. Achilles go years and years and years of <clears throat> experience that come from Lehman, Goldman Sachs, Nike, VF, Adidas, European School of Management in Tech Berlin, and finally he's here at ALU. So I'd like him to introduce himself. This is Mr. Christopher Williams. Thank you. Thanks for having me. When you say years and years and years, it feels like I'm 100 years old. But, of uh, wisdom. <laughs> of wisdom. Thank you so much for having me, and um, I'm excited to be here. I wanted to maybe um, share a little bit about my own story and how I came to be at ALU. Yes, please. I was born in Sierra Leone and um, left Sierra Leone in the early 70s to go to school in the U.S. I went to a college called Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, and have lived and worked in the U.S. and around the world since then. Um, in a number of industries, investment banking was my start. I also spent some time in the lifestyle fashion industry. So ALU is a very sharp departure from all of those industries, and I'm excited um, to be here and excited to talk about my experiences, not just there, but my experiences so far on campus. So who connected you to ALU? I found ALU um, through some friends. After a particularly challenging year um, in my last role, I reflected a lot about what I wanted to do and more importantly, where I needed and wanted to add value going forward and decided to take a year off and just carefully make a decision about my next step. My wife actually came up with the idea to um, come back to Africa and um, do some work. She knows I like working with universities and higher education. So that's how the idea started. And through a mutual friend, I connected with Fred. I had heard about ALU and we very quickly made this a reality. So it was an amazing six months. I was here for the early part of last year um, brought my family out to Mauritius, spent time with the, um, on campus with faculty and staff, and I was blown away by you know, the spirit of the campus. And the topic that we talk about today, entrepreneurial leadership, was quite obviously a big part of the campus life. And I spent quite a bit of time working and talking with students about their ventures, about their own leadership journeys. And I started to realize that there was something powerful happening here that I wanted to be part of. So, after I was done and I was asked to come back um, and to 
apply for the role of president, I was excited. I was honored. And I did. And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> oh, great. Um, so maybe you can tell us a bit more about what entrepreneurial leadership means to you, because we are talking about the impact that it has on ALU and why it's important to ALU and Africa in general. Maybe you can tell us what it means to you and what are some of the ways you end up leading yourself or see yourself as an entrepreneurial leader? Yes, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial leadership means um, a lot in the world today. It's particularly important to Africa because as we talk, um, uh, we say at ALU, we know that we are facing a pretty big demographic shift. Um, by the year 2035, Africa will have uh, the majority of the world's uh, workforce. And as we look at that, we can either be challenged by it or we can be excited by it. At ALU, we've chosen to be excited by it. So what we've decided to do um, is to play a role in creating the next generation of ethical leaders and practical problem solvers who will lead Africa in this new um, age. And the goal of ALU and, um, is to train three million leaders. And we are five years into that journey. So this is very exciting. Um, why is independent leadership important? Well, because we, don't, we not only need leaders who can inspire, we need leaders who can solve problems. Um, obviously, poverty um, is a big part of Africa's um, story today, and therefore job creation becomes a critical need. And as we create students, graduates who go out into the world, we do want them to be successful in existing organizations, in corporate roles, if that's their choice. We do want them to be successful as academics in graduate schools, but we also want them to be successful as leaders who can create scale whether it's in a traditional role or whether it's in the role of an entrepreneur. So that's why we've chosen to emphasize entrepreneurial leadership as a big part of the experience at ELU. It's directly related to what the continent needs and it's directly related to the time that we're in now. Um, the more we can create these leaders, the more we can create jobs, the more we can create scale, the better leg legacy and impact we can have on Africa. Well then, so you've talked about um, how ALU has chosen to be excited by it, the fact that there's entrepreneurial leadership within the world. So ALU is relatively young. Yes. We need to acknowledge that. Um, so what would you say has been the role of entrepreneurship in the past? Yeah, ALU is young, but as you can imagine, um, you'll live here. We have a pretty large footprint for young school. We've yes. um, been able to um, resonate with um, a lot of um, stakeholders um, outside the university just as much as we've connected, obviously, and excited our students and faculty and staff. Um, how is this different from the past? It's different because we are approaching um, this topic uh, more boldly. We are taking it head on. I grew up in uh, a time when um, you know, entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial leadership was not talked about. I started my own career in very traditional roles and I evolved to where I am today. What I find exciting about what ALU is doing with um, the students is fast forwarding awareness of what entrepreneurial leadership is, making you more conscious, equipping you, and in many ways, um, bringing you to a place that many people take a few decades to get to. And that's what excites me. And that's what I think the difference is today um, versus maybe other models of education in the past. And I'm excited to be, to be part of it. Well, so 
looking at your professional career, right? Uh, you have experience with Goldman Sachs, Nike, mm-hmm. Adidas, VF, and all these other big companies. And like, you know, you've been there for quite some time. You've been in the corporate industry for quite some time. I have. Maybe, <laughs> maybe too long, some would say. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the ways that you see a difference between being at AOU, how entrepreneurial leadership is practiced, as opposed to your past experiences or your journey through your professional career? Well, what I've found is that, you know, companies by and large seek innovation. And many of these companies are quite large and have been around for quite a while. So a big part of what they do is still um, steeped in um, a very traditional approach. Um, And they're always in this struggle themselves to evolve to something new. Um, In the places where I worked, we talked a lot about um, how people learn, how people grow. Um, 70% of your education coming from doing things, 20% from being taught, and 10% from being coached. And but that's a balance many companies have struggled to find, even as much as you know we know that is true. So that's a very um, different um, context than the ALU, where we've accepted this and we are actually leading and building an institution and a community that is based on actually doing things and and solving problems. And, and in a way that allows us to build leaders who become good at not just solving problems, but learning how to solve new problems. So as the world shifts, they can shift with it. So we don't have a big investment in a very static model, right. a very static base of knowledge. We are training leaders who can evolve as the world evolves. And ultimately, I think that's a pretty significant departure from the way many other institutions teach or the many institutions are run. I'm excited about ALU's role in perhaps bringing a new paradigm um, to how companies are run in Africa as well. Speaking of bringing new paradigms into the environment, ALU is obviously a different environment from what you're used to, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> yes, <right>? it's, it's <laughs> very different. So here at ALU, we have over 35 nationalities um, being represented. And as president, how do you lead um, the considerable amount of diversity? And having led different teams, what has the experience been like? Yeah, I have been fortunate to have lived and worked in many different countries and worked alongside people from you know, a diverse you know, set of nationalities. And I am one of the big um, um, advocates for diversity. I think it's critical for growth. I think it's critical for solving problems. And as we look at all the challenges and the opportunities in Africa today, I think we can be served very much by diversity. So I'm excited that ALU has built a community that is diverse. Obviously, not just uh, 35 plus um, countries um, that are represented on campus, Um, that are from Africa, but other countries outside of Africa as well. And that is something I intend to maintain, and we will continue to leverage that fully because I believe the best solutions and the students can be best equipped from leveraging that kind of diversity. One of the things that I have to do um, as a leader is to create an environment where that diversity adds value to the community. And we cannot customize a solution for every single perspective that we have on campus, but we can create the rules of engagement. Um, What are the standards by which we interact? Um, How can we um, create safe spaces where 
um, enriched experiences and influences can be brought to bear on our students and all members of the community. One of the things I see every single day is our students tackling um, new questions, sometimes uncomfortable questions, and how much their perspective to these questions are shaped just by being at ALU, maybe in a much different way, had they faced some of these questions at home. So that's what I intend to do, to create an environment where we can get the best out of each other, where and continue to find ways to broaden the umbrella, um, the tent, if you may, of the nationalities and perspectives that are represented on campus. Great. Um, we're well into this podcast and I'm learning so much already and, you know, also trying to get a deep understanding what your role essentially should have an impact and in what ways it has an impact to the AOU community. So, on a lighter note, yes. we have questions from the student community. You were with us for six months before I the was. big news. And you, I, I saw you personally, I saw you interact with students a lot. Actually, the first time we met, I think you had a problem with a projector. Okay. And I just Did clicked I... a button somewhere and you're like, oh, oh right. that, that was the problem. Yes, <laughs> I should have turned it on first. That would have helped. So my That's where diversity comes in. Right. So my intention wasn't to sit through your session. I was working on something. You just came in to like have your <laughs> session and, and everything. I remember that. And... Halfway through what I was doing, I was listening to what you were saying, like in the background, and I was like, he actually raises some pretty valid <laughs> points here. Okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> maybe I can sit around for maybe an extra five minutes and then go finish what I'm doing. But moving on, <laughs> what does the AOU vision mean to you and why do you care so much about it? Well, I care about it because, for many reasons, um, like I said, there's a need for the continent today. Um, to develop leaders, and, and we've talked about them, ethical leaders, pragmatic problem solvers. But when I reflect on my own personal experience, I can reflect on the choices and the environment back in Sierra Leone, and that led me to seek study outside of um, Sierra Leone and outside of Africa um, so many years ago. Um, in spite of my successes in the corporate world, I can reflect that as much as I was making an impact, I always felt that I could make more impact somewhere, maybe more meaningful impact. So like your purpose was meant to be purpose, somewhere else. Absolutely, that's the word. I'm trying to avoid the use of that word because I'm trying <laughs> not to live in the cliche, but but it was, a, it was an experience that I went through. Right. Um, I started to ask myself, where can I best invest every unit of my time and energy? And it was not necessarily, you know, creating more you know, helping people create more T-shirts or sell more shoes. <laughs> it, it, it seemed like it could be more. And, and I latched onto the idea of um, changing lives because that is something I've always enjoyed um, doing um, as a mentor to people and, and as a part-time lecturer, which is something I've always done. So all these reflections um, also combined with an understanding of how the global world was, was shifting and economics and politics and Africa's role and position within it. And the demographics, which we all know, um, then creates this specter of either a major challenge coming our way or a big opportunity, and I choose to see it as an opportunity. And moreover, I choose to, um, to, to join the cause. So that's, my, that's how the vision appealed to me, and, and that's why I care, and that's why I'm here. So you've mentioned um, being um, from very traditional backgrounds, um, very traditional 
professional journey type situation. Yes. I didn't so, take too many risks professional, <laughs> you can tell you that. So how were you able to get off your safety net? And what advice would you give the young future leaders of Africa who want to lead in this century? Yes, I think there are, uh, you know, one of the things that made me not probably take risks, um, I think it's very probably natural and common for most people is, is fear of failure and maybe and rejection and rejection and, and not want, wanting to uh, to uh, to make mistakes um, and so I can give advice on that because I believe that you know if you can break away from that you can definitely approach life um, with fuller sense of all the options open to you and so that's my message to um, the young people especially the young people in Africa today is to continue to be curious and be comfortable making mistakes, um, failing fast, but recovering faster. So like failing forward. Failing forward, yeah. absolutely. Because failure is an essential element of, of growth and, and creating strength. And I think the challenge for us sometimes is we feel that failure is used to define us. And sometimes it's held against us permanently. But I don't think that fear should make us run away from it. I think we should embrace it as a gift and, and strive to learn from it. But what I would say um, specifically is own your own narrative. Um, one of the things that I did to manage the risk of failure, even in when I was working, was when I took on challenges, I, I was always careful about articulating the challenges that I was taking on to the teams I was working with and articulating the options I was pursuing, even, some of the, even though some options were quite, were quite difficult. And I think that sort of prepared the teams largely for failure. And when did that, when, if that happened, um, I didn't run away from it. I defined it as a learning opportunity, not just for myself, but for the teams I worked with. So I owned the narrative and made it less about failure and more about learning. And that made me take more risk and be comfortable doing so. And I would urge that we also do the same. And, and sort of own the narrative about what we're doing, own the narrative about our experiences, and don't let anyone sort of define it for us or define it in negative ways. Wow, okay. So fail fast and forward and own your narrative. It's more about learning. Learning, absolutely, than, than, fear. And failing, than fearing and failing. <laughs> Speaking of leadership, um, being the president of AOU, what's your what's what's the difference between the roles of the COO, the chief academic officer, and are there any overlaps that come in that? Yeah, we have a, we have a diverse um, leadership team that represents all the needs of the school. Um, um, I'm effectively as president the CEO. My role is to oversee and manage the entire um, university, and within my team, I have functional leaders, and who tend to look at you know, the university maybe through vertical lens. So the chief academic officer is responsible for managing our faculty and the student experiences in class and outside of class as well. The chief operating officer manages um, strategic areas of importance to us, um, you know, um, people and HR, technology, um, and, 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 and um, operations. I, yes, there's overlap, and the overlap is healthy, but what they bring to the table is strong you know, content knowledge, um, vertical experience. Um, what I bring to the table is the horizontal and enterprise perspective, you know, bringing 
everything we do together in a coherent strategy and managing and leading the execution and inspiring the team. So there's a healthy overlap, but we are very clear what our roles are. And one of the things that one thing that characterizes all of us is that we're all pretty creative and entrepreneurial thinkers. And what we've consciously decided to do is to make sure that we will model the kind of leadership that we want the students to emulate. So we model how we how we work together, we model how we solve problems, we model how we solve conflicts and how we're collaborative and creative. Um, all of the elements that an entrepreneurial leader um, should should possess. Wow. Well, I guess, unfortunately, we're getting to the end of this podcast, and I hope you as a listener do understand why EL is important to ALU and and Africa in general. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you. We looked at two major points over here. We have looked at failing fast and failing forward. Yes. And owning your narrative. Owning your narrative. It's more about the learning experience, the journey, not the destination. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you next week. Um, This has been Savannah Olo and Mr. Christopher Williams. Till next time.